Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs. Download Kemp 360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. We're still at Ignite. It's day two. We're pretty heavily caffeinated at this point. Uh, not going to lie, the feet are hurting just a little bit, but we're, we're, we're driving through it. Um, so we're in the podcast studio, Studio One today, a little bit different to yesterday, which is great. And uh, we have a very, very special guest today. We, I'm very excited about this. We've been trying to get this set up for a couple of years now, I think. Uh, so super excited to have uh, Julia Foran on the, on the show. Um, so I'm here with Nick and Warren. Say Hello. Hi. Hello. Cool. Julia, do you want to give us a quick introduction and, uh, and tell us you know, what you do at Microsoft and, and uh, why we have you on the show? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Julia Foran, and I'm a... Uh, program manager on the Microsoft Outlook team. Um, specifically, I work on calendar platforms, so all the things that happen after you press send on a meeting invite, all the syncing of calendar items, all of those kind of backend APIs and commands are what I get to work on. Um, so That is like the most important part of Outlook. <laughs> like, it is. I mean, right? And everyone uses it daily, right? I, I would say that that's, to me, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning yeah. is look, look at my calendar. calendar. The last thing I do before I go to bed is, <laughs> look at what time do I need to wake up in the morning? Yes. Yeah. Is yes. look at the calendar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's something that everyone just takes for granted. It's just this thing that is there and it, it, it basically and take, runs our lives. Let's take a thing around the table. How many calendars do you have? I have multiple mailboxes, but I refuse to have more than one calendar. Like, so your iCloud calendar you don't use? Like a shared calendar well, between the wife. Well, once we uh, actually, sorry, yes, you d you're you right. See, so what I'm saying is, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't just stop with Outlook. I mean, yeah. it stops with. You're right. There's a family calendar. There's a um, my wife and I have a calendar. I've got the work calendar. So at least I have three. Yeah. And then if we have something like a planned holiday, that holiday will have a calendar as well. Yeah. And my flights, my trips, whatever else, anything that affects the family will yes. go into one or more shared calendars. Exactly that. Man, you're all like, I just get told what to do and I just be there. <laughs> this is how that works. My wife has a paper calendar. Actually, this is a really funny story. It's slightly calendar related, right? But not compu not, not at all IT. Right? My wife has a, a paper calendar that is on next to the fridge and she loves the calendar next to the fridge because she likes to look at it when she's doing stuff. Yeah. And so a few years ago, I made a joke and I bought a Taylor Swift calendar for her for Christmas as here's your calendar for the next for the next year but now this has become a running thing so now for the last like five years every year we have a Taylor Swift calendar on our fridge I saw that because, yeah, you <laughs> I did, did I saw that is uh, that Taylor so Swift it's Taylor Swift wow. yes um, anyway completely <laughs> off topic so we love calendar but we let's we ask Julia yes how many calendars do you have uh, in personal life I probably have about five or six yeah like you I have a family calendar a yeah. joint calendar my personal calendar yeah. you know like all and then uh, the Seahawks calendar the Texas Longhorns football calendar that's an important uh, one yeah very important uh, yeah so a lot of calendars so I want to pick on this early just to get it out of the way because both of you all <laughs> are from Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, living there right now, loving living in Texas. Texas is awesome. Yeah. 
We went to uh, we went to Boot Barn. Where? Boot Barn. Oh. Yeah, where? <laughs> boot, boot Barn. Oh, okay. Where yeah. you go to go buy boots. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was part of Lauren getting ready for the for the rodeo. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let, let, let's bring this slightly back on, on topic. So, so Julia, you, be, you were here. You presented a great session yesterday. And so for those of you listening, if you want to go back and check it out, I strongly encourage you, BRK2001. Man, it was full. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people in that session. And, and the, the first thing that kind of resonated with me from the session was eyes on the slides. Right. If you come to a Julia session and you don't pay attention, you're going to get a ball bounced off your head. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Every, yeah what I, but, but I've never seen anyone throw away as much swag in a, in a single session as, yeah. you do, as you do generally with all your sessions, which, <laughs> yeah. is, which is great. Um, but th- there were a bunch of really cool stuff that came out of that session, and, I, and I've made some notes here, and I, and I think we'll go into it. But I guess one of the things I wanted to ask just to kick off with was it was a, it was, it was a short session. Mm-hmm. Surely there was some stuff that you wanted to talk about, but you didn't get time to, or you had to cut from your slides, mm-hmm. right? Do, do you want to go into some of that with us? Yeah, so uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the back-end um, data model things that we we're doing in Calendar. Um, kind of two feature areas. First one, I'll start with uh, declined events, which I had kind of mentioned um, <coughs> that we were hoping to talk about it uh, this Ignite, but didn't get to, um, because we actually started to build the feature of being able to view events that you've declined on your calendar, um, which is a fundamental difference. If, if, if y'all don't know, when you decline an event today, we completely deleted yes. it out of the calendar folder. And um, the calendar assistant used to respect that on purpose so that if you deleted a calendar uh, entry, instead of declining it, it would put it back. Yes. Because that CRA thing actually looks at your uh, like actions, your send items, especially when uh, you're using Desktop Outlook, to know that you had declined it. So that um, ha- that feature hasn't come up. No. If you want to re-accept the declined event, you have to go find the meeting message in your deleted items and then re-accept from yes. the meeting Yes. You know message. how many times I've gotten in trouble because of this? <laughs> like Everyone. Re- like really, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I never decline any invites. It's always tentative because it has to stay there. Yes. Well, yes. That's, that's the issue. And, and not only do we want to make it easier to reaccept, but we also really want people's RSVP statuses to reflect whether or not they plan to attend the event because attendee responses is really important for a productive meeting. And so a lot of people have this workflow where they tentatively accept items or just never respond to them to keep them on their calendar. Um, so we had started to build that this year uh, and preserving the items in the calendar folder. And then the more that we got into it, the more complicated it became. We realized that now you could do things like decline a series but accept an instance and making sure that that instance would show up in uh, like legacy clients, for example, that aren't syncing down the series anymore but they have this top-level instance. Uh, so it started to become a little bit of a bug farm, especially when we started dealing with shared calendars. And we actually had to roll back the feature. And so uh, one thing that I was hoping to talk about at our session was give a little peek into Calendar and say, like, hey, we are humans too, and sometimes we build features and fail. Um, and you know, here's kind of a little bit of a story of like reasons why it failed. Um, and, and part of that whole journey led us to the, the realization that we probably need to you know, recurring series as a single item with every instance having ex- exceptional attachments on it really just doesn't scale when we d- want to do things like decline meetings or decline from this day forward or co-organizing of meetings. Um, and so that kind of pushed us into talking about a new way to store calendar events, data model. And that's something that you're working on now? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're start. We're what we're starting with is. Um, so calendar search, which we talked about a little bit, the issue with calendar search is if you um, search on a uh, recurring series and your keyword matches an exception or the series master, you get back all events all in the series. Yeah. So you get false positives and false negatives in your search results. And that, that is just you know due to the way that recurring series are stored. Um, and so what we're building is a flattened view of your calendar where we, um, when we initialize it, we, we flatten back two years of data and then we flatten and forward one year of data. And then it's a rolling, we never lose past history. We always just um, go forward, so you always have a year in the future. And then we're gonna redirect calendar searches to the flatten view where every instance, whether it be in a series or one-off meeting, has uh, its own representation in the store and then calendar searches are much more accurate. And a benefit we've also seen here is that it's a lot faster because we're not doing inline recurring series expansion on calendar search. And so we're kind of exploring, could we point all of our read calendar APIs to the, sh the flat flattened calendar as well, um, because that would uh, would also decrease latency. One of the things I noticed in yesterday's talk is that you would talk about a calendar feature and then talk about in which modality it would appear. So this is going to be an Outlook web, and then it's going to be an mm -hmm. Outlook PC, Outlook, and all the various different Outlooks. So does that mean that you think about we, we're building the back end and then we're building the presentation layer where previously we would find that, oh, this is an Outlook feature, yeah. but it's actually not. It shouldn't be an Outlook feature. So if I do an accept decline, that's not an Outlook feature. That's actually Outlook instructing the back end to do something. Exactly, yes. And uh, so w oftentimes what we do is we try to find a partner client, whether it's Outlook Web, Windows, Mac, mobile, whoever has uh, bandwidth to build the presentation or the appetite to build presentation of something. And then we partner with them to be the, the first client that we release on. So um, uh, some of the features you see, typically web is the fastest um, mm. to release and it's the easiest to kind of code in. Um, and so almost always calendar features come out first in web. Um, but things like accept and do not send a response, now updating the organizer kind of goes back to accurate tracking. Um, but because the clients just send us the command to accept, then we could have changed that behavior. We changed that without any client uh, changes on that as well. Um, so going back to data model, the other kind of hard thing is that every Outlook client syncs via different APIs. So you know you have Mappy on desktop or Windows, you have uh, currently uh, REST on Mac, you have uh, uh, OWS for OA, and then you have like a native sync protocol for mobile. And so when we want to expose something in calendar, like for example, declined events, we are going to have to expose declined events in every sync down layer. And so we are kind of looking at, can we consolidate all of the Outlooks so that they use all the same APIs, which would make calendaring a lot easier. That would be amazing. <laughs> just drop Mappy completely. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> well, we, we are kind of, uh, like, I guess this going to Chris's question, uh, we are looking into building a Mappy interceptor. So when you edit calendar items from Outlook for Windows, we can intercept that um, before it makes it to XSO and then do whatever we want to do. Like a hero scenario, a two hero scenarios would be accept and do not send a response working from the Windows client without any client changes. And also, if you change the end date of a series, preserving the exceptions, which instead of letting Mappy wipe them all out. Um, so just to find those two things for us, XSO and Hero. Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> XSO is the, uh, I don't even know what it stands for, but uh, it's the uh, interface which 
desktop calls into XSO, which translates it into Exchange Store and kind of writes uh, a change. So when you create a meeting invite, uh, desktop sends it through that XSO layer into Exchange Store. That's what um, Ross Smith was talking about on the last episode. Oh. Ross Smith the fourth. <laughs> Yes, he knows a lot about XOSO. Yes. <laughs> um, and then hero scenario, meaning um, we, this can prove whether or not it works with these two scenarios. And so we're currently in prototyping mode. We don't even know if building a mappy interceptor would even be feasible or possible. And so what we're trying to do is build it first and validate using those two hero examples. <laughs> so what I find interesting about that particular option that you just talked about, right, which is the, the client meeting option, is that on user voice, that's like the most requested thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, and one of the other ones, I guess, which also ties in with data model is change of ownership on calendar events, right? Yeah. I, we, we see this one all the time. Someone sets up a recurring meeting, um, a, a whole series of them, you accept them, and then that person leaves for whatever reason. And then now you're stuck with these kind of orphaned events in your calendar. And then someone else just comes and pluses another one over it, right? And then inevitably someone, and we're in the middle of a Teams to a Skype to Teams migration. So the, the one is in the team, is team Teams, one's in Skype. So inevitably you get people joining both <laughs> bridges at the same time, which just, you know, makes it even worse. And yeah. so am I correct to say that, that fixing that problem, which is also one of the top user voice items, is also part of data model and being able to figure out how you guys more efficiently store the, the data? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, as you know today, when you, when a person creates a calendar invite or a new meeting, it's mastered in their mailbox. And we don't support transferring meetings across mailboxes because we did a lot of work around anti-spoofing. So we wanted to make sure that no one can get details of your meeting invite and fake a meeting update to you. And so in some ways, by doing all of the security work, we locked ourselves out of co-organizer or change organizer more specifically. Um, so we're looking at, uh, you know, one super hacky way that we've talked about doing for change organizer is canceling the current meeting and sending out a new meeting invite from the new organizer, <coughs> which would, um, and then auto-processing all the related meeting messages and preserving responses um, so that attendees don't really notice too many different things. Um, and that would be kind of like a really hacky way to do it. Uh, and a better way to do it would be once we have a new data model where either we can transfer between mailboxes or maybe it's mastered elsewhere for co-organizer scenarios. Um, uh, yeah, we're still kind of figuring out how we'll do it, but that's a big thing for us right now. Right, so watch the space, I guess, uh, next year's Ignite for some more announcements. <laughs> right? Yeah, and while you're talking about user voice, user voice is, is what we use to say what should we build, especially when we talk about clients having the appetite or the desire to build features. Uh, user voice is really like, oh, and even in our product specs, we say this has this many votes on user voice, and we show by client and by that kind of thing. And so uh, if you're voting out there, user voice is a great way to get a hold of us. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, well, You know, one of the things that struck me yesterday was like, all the things that you announced during the session, right? They all are absolutely awesome. They all make a lot of sense, but a lot of them are just, you kind of go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's going to make my life much yeah. easier. <laughs> it's like it wasn't something that I was like losing sleep over, yeah. but now I'm like, oh yeah, right? So like uh, time zones. Oh yes. Now, I we use that every day. Yeah, we often coordinate stuff and we've had instances before where we have like a 17-hour time zone spread. Between we have a, a guest in Australia, I'm in the US, and these guys are in, in, in South Africa, and we, we have to, we, and inevitably there's something getting lost in translation there. And it just makes it so much easier. So thank you for that one. I think everyone will kind of, you know, there was a, a loud round of applause in the, in the session, and mm, we wanted to just mm. echo that by saying thank you for, for giving us time zones in the, in yeah. the yeah. So time zones in, in the, the picker, 
-hmm. and time zones in the calendar display as well. Yeah. Uh, that's super useful. Yeah. Well, if you look at user voice, the one on the calendar display, uh, m a lot of users say, I need 10 time zones in there. And it's kind of <laughs> like, do you want to see your calendar anymore? Or just yeah, yeah. Just show I was off? actually going <laughs> to raise that because <laughs> Outlook for Windows has had three time zones for a long time. Yeah, we have three now in Mac. We do, yes. but I'm saying it took a while to get It took there. a long time. Mm -hmm. It took a while. Yeah. We only had two. Yeah. Mm. Don't want to say second-class citizen. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one, and the other thing about those time zones in Windows and Mac is they're actually stored locally in the client. So we haven't yeah. yet done the work to roam it up to the service. And so uh, a big yeah, thing that we're going to be working on um, this year is roaming those up to the service mm. and then having all the clients show them consistently. So if you create a new Mac profile or a new Windows profile or you're using web, you're going to see the same time strips on all of your... Yeah. And by time strips, I mean those little... Uh, bars on the left side. That uh, I have that. seen that when my, because I use Outlook for Mac, when the, the client is not set to use the correct time zone for default acceptance, mm -hmm. and then stuff is just out by two hours or three hours, depending on whatever last country I was in, yeah. and I didn't change the time zone. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll accept that. And then it's out by two hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, yeah, we have that. And then we're also working on translating attendee time zones. So when you're scheduling a meeting with people in other time zones, we'll show their time zones in scheduling assistant, in the time picker next to you. So I can, I don't have to remember that, you know, this, this is three hours in front of me, especially when like daylight savings happens, our mm -hmm. favorite thing in calendar. Um, and then, you know, you have people in Europe and, and you can't remember, is it five hours or six hours difference and that kind of stuff. So uh, time zones is a big area of focus. Time zones and data model, I'd say <laughs> two things we'll be talking about next year. I wanted to ask you, and I think we we met you last year, mm -hmm. and you were doing calendaring, and you will understand. And I remember still creating footage of you because I was doing lots of B-roll and walking around, and I would see you doing a, a calendar demo and a calendar feature demo, and I'd come back a couple of hours later, and the, the level of enthusiasm was just as much, and I realized that you are genuinely excited and passionate about calendar. Mm -hmm. Do you mind telling us why? I just think that, so I remember when I first wanted to be a computer programmer, um, is because I realized how powerful you can do things with computers and save time. Like the ability to automate things is just phenomenal. And what the experience was, I had taken a lot of pictures on a digital camera back then. And you know, all the images were like IMG underscore one, two, three. And I wanted to rename them to say the name of the city that we were visiting and then, you know, whatever. Like, and I was, you know, in middle school or something like that with my family. And I realized that if I, I could just write I mean, I couldn't at the time, but like I, I remember realizing searching online, uh, uh, like that I could have automated that rename, and I thought I want to do this, uh, and so I, I knew I wanted to be in like computers and uh, just the. Uh, there's nothing more precious in our world than time. And so if you can manage your time well, if you can get back time and do things faster, and like that's what I think calendar, uh, that's my goal is that um, it's just a way to spend more time doing things you love and not like trying to coordinate people or whatever. Mm. Mm. That's, that's massive, that's precious. Yeah. And last year you, you managed to get the best speaker award <laughs> while traveling, working, and being a mom. <laughs> so how do you do that? Are you just a naturally good speaker? Do you, do you spend 15 hours practicing before you do a session? What is the secret sauce for you? Yeah, you can't automate. You can't automate a session. <laughs> well, I a think great calendar, right? <laughs> 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 I 
I think part of it is I love calendars so much. Like, you know, you mentioned, uh, so in, even in my wedding vows with my husband, David, I talked about calendar and I said, this wouldn't be complete love story or something like that without mentioning both how much wow. I love you and, and calendar, you know, or like, I, or I remember telling him one day, like, I love you more than calendar. And he was kind of like, Oh my gosh, that's so touching. <laughs> but I like genuine, I mean, it's just such a fun product to work on and there's so much innovation that we can do here. Um, I do practice a lot. Uh, I get really tired of hearing my voice uh, as we practice. Um, but I actually took this course, uh, a Dale Carnegie course yeah. um, called High Impact Presentations. And it was a two day course where they like videotaped you and talked about presenting. And it was such a moment of transition for me because for example most people don't remember the actual words you say on stage they showed some pie chart that said it was like seven percent or eight percent of what you say on stage and it's more about your voice and your uh your uh like physically what you're doing and you know that is uh, that is helps them remember the content and no one ever remembers the words and so prior to that i used to practice of like what are the exact word phrasings i'm going to use and now when i practice i focus more on like what do i want the audience to feel on this slide mm. or that's um, huge yeah. yep. <laughs> and so if you have, yeah if you, if you have a chance to take that they're in cities all over the world um, but I really loved that uh, it's like the, the next thing I want to do when I get home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up for yeah, it. yeah we, we have this debate very often about um, we all have different ways of speaking when we do these when we do speaking engagements right and uh, I you know we watched Warren do his thing yesterday uh, I'm, I'm very much a, like I I plan every level detail of my session, but I don't script any of it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, so I run through several times and every time I deliver the, the wording or the phrasing might be somewhat different, mm -hmm. but uh -huh. I do it and I still rehearse several times just to get the timing just perfectly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you get other people who absolutely script out every single word they're going to say and they almost kind of like learn the script, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, everyone has their thing and everything. It, it all, you know, it works for them. It w whatever they feel comfortable with is great. I just, uh, it's, it's fascinating when you kind of look at the human element and the different styles of things that people, how people do it. So. Yeah. The other thing is I think people are looking for, uh, and they talked about this in the course, but people want a show. Like they want to, uh, it's it's a performance as well. Um, otherwise it's not engaging and there's no reason to pay attention. And so just like you've all seen a movie that has a fantastic script, if the acting's bad or like, you know, and so really that's a huge part of like getting them to um, look at the calendar's content and then feel excited as we are <laughs> yeah. about what's coming out. Because passion translates, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what's your favorite calendar thing that y'all saw yesterday? So actually, I um, so apart from the the time zone piece, which I thought was was you know super awesome, I actually wanted to ask you a question and get some clarification on, on something. So you mentioned uh, sort of a new external sharing mechanism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I, and, and what I didn't immediately understand was how is that different from just federated sharing that you get today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah, I actually got a ton of questions afterwards, and uh -huh. I kind of in my self reflection, I think I could have done that uh, feature a lot more justice. So I'm glad you're bringing it up on the podcast. Before you explain it, can we just take a step back and, and because we take it for granted that everyone understands what federated sharing is. So mm -hmm. do you mind just unpacking what federated sharing is quickly before Julia answers? Uh, yeah, so I guess, um, so we've had this feature in Exchange, I think since SB2-ish of Exchange 2010, yeah. where uh, if you have two organizations, um, you can federate the two f uh, organizations it used to be via the Federation Gateway. It's SP1 because we SP1? had to build it manually in a hybrid. Yes. 
uh, and and essentially you can see free busy information um, between federated organizations, right? So if you wanted to schedule a meeting with a partner, uh, we use this with Microsoft a lot when we work with them. So that's that's what that feature is. Thanks, great explanation, Chris. Um, so uh, the feature, we're kind of referring to it as uh, a time bridge. Um, and uh, what it is is that in the phase one, I kind of mentioned when you um, share external availability, it'll be available to everyone in Office 365. And really under the covers, what we're doing is when you turn that on, we create a uh, uh, pu calendar publishing URL for your calendar um, that we don't make public. So, I mean, if, if someone was like sniffing traffic or something, they could maybe <laughs> um, see it. Um, but in, uh, really what you're doing, we create that and then if I go to look up Warren's Free Busy and uh, it says that you know, the first hop is to say, can I actually see it? Is he within my org or in a federated org? And if it says no, then we go check and see, does, has Warren, does Warren have the special published calendar URL? And so we kind of add another layer of fallback into free busy. Um, and, then, uh, and then it would return his availability. In phase two, I was saying we can sh you can share to specific people. And what it's going to do is still generate uh, a, a URL, but it's going to be an authenticated URL where it says, I'm Julia, and I do have access to Warren's calendar, and then return availability. Um, and we want to kind of extend this to more stuff. So if you've already classically published your calendar, we would also fall back to that. Um, if I've shared my calendar to someone else, because um, you can share across orgs even without federation, uh, then with that shared calendar, we'd fall back to that. So basically, we have a lot of um, information today, but we're kind of fa failing too quickly, I think, in free busy. And so we want to kind of broaden that and make that mm -hmm. more public. Um, and so we have aspirations to do that and then also al allow people to kind of publish a bookings page similar to um, you can you know you go to a, a website with a, a to book a haircut and you can kind of see when your stylist is available we want to do something like that for calendars so that um, if someone's not using uh, you know uh, uh, outlook to look at free busy or you're at a conference or something like that they could go to some page and kind of book time with you as well that'd be awesome yeah. That would be that would be pretty incredible because I think that that's that's sort of a breakdown in the collaboration because not not everyone is on Exchange Online yet, right? Or not yeah. everyone. I mean, you know, I think eventually people will see see yeah. that see it and get there. But right now, so that would be that's that's yeah. a, I didn't even think about that, but that now that I do, it's. Awesome. And there were a lot of features that you mentioned yesterday that said you can have this and it's amazing, but only if you're in the service, <laughs> only if you're on Office 365 and the other party is in Office 365. Yeah. So clearly we get that, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some stuff that, because you're deploying for the cloud first, it makes sense that, that it works there. And there's only so much that you can do reaching back down to on-premises because on-premises is this lockdown version that mm -hmm. can't move. Mm -hmm. Something that I found impressive that you weren't just doing stuff in the cloud, but you're doing stuff across other clouds. Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> unpack that a little bit? Uh, what are you specifically referring to? Google right Calendar. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, you, you can say how bad it is. <laughs> you have free reign. <laughs> we're all just going to agree with you. Am I being recorded right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I we were just talking among friends. Um, but we yeah. are, which is why we all agree that Google Calendaring oh. could be a lot better. <laughs> yes. They should just throw it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like for example, um, you can add, uh, previously uh, you used to never be able to add a Google Calendar to Outlook for Mac. 
Um, and because when you added it, it added as an IMAP account, which only gave you mail. And so we've done a lot of work to basically, when you add a, a, a calendar to Alec for Mac, we create a uh, Office 365 uh, mailbox uh, that basically then connects uh, to, to Google as, as they change their REST APIs and we um, then we are not as dependent on clients taking updates if anything changes. And so with that, um, with that Google Calendar in our cloud, then our clients can sync up to it. And so uh, for uh, talking about the um, the, the feature where you could connect your personal Gmail account and then have that block off your work availability. What we're doing is when you connect that, we create that that copy of the mailbox locally cached instead of, you know, and not so no one thinks, oh my gosh, they've got my data. It's we've always had your data when you added it to an Outlook client. It was just in the client. Mm -hmm. So we're moving where the data is stored and cached up to the service, which means it can be used for a lot of other features. And also now when you add it to other Outlook clients, you get calendar everywhere and it doesn't require the client to actually explicitly support calendar sync and storage against that provider. Now Google's an example, but we're, we're, we want to make this work across iCloud and Yahoo. And you know we know people keep their calendars in all different services. And so um, to the point about collaboration, if we restrict to Office 365 or Outlook.com, we don't do a good job of combining your work and personal time, especially because Outlook.com isn't dominant in all the markets. And so we really want to open up calendaring uh, to give you a one view of work and personal across both of them. That's awesome. And like when it comes to like an ICS file, right? Like So the calendar file. Mm -hmm. Is there some sort of RFC or something that states that an ICS has to have specific things yes. is 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 there one yes. do you, i mean who writes that thing because some of them aren't the same <laughs> i mean at all right yeah i mean if i attach an ics file to something and send it across and i hit the double click button i'm hoping that it brings everything across yeah but it doesn't so like what what is there's actually a whole um uh, what do you call it, uh, governance board for ICS. And I can't remember their exact name, but they have meetings twice a year. People really? from around the globe come and they define the ICS standards. Um, really? Yeah, and but it, there's no enforcement of it, okay. really. And it's, it's more of kind of like a, you want to interop well with other people, so you support it. And even in Microsoft, we add custom uh, flags to ICS files mm -hmm. and Google does the same. You know, we were dealing with a bug where the, I, the Apple, um, mobile uh, calendar app, uh, the native app, uh, wasn't inserting a time zone property that's required for translation across time zones. And we, so then when we would receive a, a ICS meeting invite, uh, it would show up in the wrong time zone. And debugging that took a long time, and then we realized it's just a missing property. But, you know, we can send it over to them, but it, you know, requires them to do it and, you know, be motivated to interrupt yes. like that. Yeah. Okay. So there is a governance right. board, but okay. not enforced. Okay, so now at least I know. You know where to direct your frustration. I'm going to write my own ICS file. Well, no. <laughs> well, maybe you should come to the governance board meeting and, <laughs> and you can have your say. I'm a member, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I met when they came to Seattle, I, I had dinner with them and talked really? about calendar with them. And yeah, they're, they're a super smart bunch of people. And, you know, but uh, probably introducing new things in ICS is really hard. Mm. Um, but even ICS supports things that we don't in. in uh, Outlook. For example, ICS allows you to specify recurrence on uh, multiple recurrence patterns for a series. And so we were dealing with a bug where like
like uh, someone sent multiple recurrence patterns with an ICS file and how do we import that? Um, and we we ultimately do it by splitting and creating two separate series. Okay. Um, but you know, there's some wonky stuff like that where, yeah, um, yeah we're always kind of, ICS is always a fun one to investigate. <laughs> I, I actually had an idea and uh -oh. I'll put it out there. Uh -oh. <laughs> no, wait, no, no. Okay, so what is the most popular messaging client on the planet? It's WhatsApp, right? Okay, everybody uses WhatsApp. Okay? Mm. I'm going to create a calendaring app that allows you to push ICS files through WhatsApp. So all those soccer moms on their groups and stuff like that, when the next soccer match is, they just send it to the group and bam, it's in your calendar. That's great. I know. It's, I just don't have time to code it, but it, I'll get, get, get there. What about WeChat? And <laughs> <laughs> hey, Facebook Messenger? We can do all of it because all I'm literally doing is attaching an ICS file to whatever message it is and then translating it on the other side, you know? Mate, I hate to break it to you though, but this is going to be recorded, so, <laughs> so you're probably just giving away your idea. No, no, no. Some, okay, so this is, this is my idea. <laughs> if you feel like building it, hit me up. We'll split the, split the winnings. <laughs> the <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that <laughs> at this point. I feel like I'm in competition now with oh. another calendar app. <laughs> Already. Is it time to bring out a lawyer? <laughs> so I think so. Um, one of the things I... Uh, so we yesterday in your session, you talked about a room finder replacement. Is something that we... So get yeah. To get back to something serious, oh, yeah. right? And serious and, and, and cool. Um, and you, you stressed metadata, metadata, metadata. Do, do we want to pass that message along again here about how yes. important it is to have metadata in your rooms? Yes. So uh, to kind of recap what Chris was saying, uh, at the session yesterday, uh, we showed a that there, there's a new way to search um, for rooms, and it's released in Outlook for Web where you can go filter by capacity, by capabilities like audio or video. You can search by city or room list. Um, so you're kind of, uh, and you can have combinations of room list plus you know availability or capacity, all these kind of co combinations, um, and that we want to take that same functionality and replace the room finder in the Windows client and the Mac clients as well. Um, but uh, to do that, we need uh, all the companies to set the metadata on the rooms. And so previously, there was no incentive to set it. Like if you set capacity on the room, it w was literally used nowhere. And, and uh, people put all the metadata in the name of the room. So you would have like city dash capacity dash AV slash room name or whatever. So, you know, that it was all stored in the string of the name of the room. And so we want to encourage everyone to go. And the lookup never worked. Yeah. You, you could control K that as much as you wanted. It never worked. <laughs> so now <laughs> with the, with being able to click in the location well and search and find a room just as easily as you find people when you've tapped in the two well, uh, we want companies to go set that metadata on the room so that we can know where the room is, how many people are uh, the room can do. There's two ways to do it. There's the set places PowerShell commandlet, and there's the re uh, uh, REST API and uh, the graph called, I think, places API as well. Um, and you can set capacity capabilities. You can even set ta custom tags. So there, for example, some people want to know that there's a bean bag in the room, or like if you're a company that has um, catering, if this is a room that supports catering or whatever, you can set any um, any set of string tags, and those would also be filterable in the new um, advanced search in Alec for Web. So that's, that's cool, hey? You know, I was busy with a, um, I helped an IoT company along the line, I think it was last year sometime, where they got like a little Arduino board, it's about this big, with a little sensor that picks up movement, and they put them in all of their boardrooms, all right? And what what happened was, if let's say there was a meeting that was booked, 
Okay? The calendar obviously showed that the, the room was booked, whatever the case may be was. But the little sensor picked up if there was movement. If there wasn't any movement in the room, send a rest call straight up to the cloud and would delete the, delete the calendar invite so that the room became available again. It was like an <laughs> Azure function and this it worked. This meeting is really boring and we're going to cancel it for everyone for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're not moving. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but, but I mean, that's a fairly, I, I had a customer who had that, but no. you had to badge it in with a smart card on the, on the room meeting yeah. system. Yeah. And if you didn't badge in within 15 minutes of the, of the meeting starting, yeah. they would just remove the, the meeting request. Yeah. Yeah. But public service announcement here is if you're going to set metadata on your, on your rooms, keep that stuff up to date because there's nothing worse than you know having a room that says it's got capacity for 12 people and then booking it for 12 people and then ending up there with like two seats right yeah. because yeah. because <laughs> that the room has been changed or switched around or, or what have you yeah. so uh, the maintenance around that is just as important as actually doing it in the first place. Yeah, so, um. and and actually on that point, like we keep getting asked, are you going to also have locations automatically filter by capacity? Like if I have five attendees, are you going to filter by capacity? And we explored that idea but decided not to do it because with today, people join remotely, they join yeah. online, or you know they, they might not really, really show up or they're in a different office that day. And so we couldn't accurately get capacity of rooms. Um, mm for every meeting. I mean, uh, we didn't know how people would attend. So we are also exploring for people, um, which we kind of talked a lot about a little bit yesterday about co-organizers. So when I respond to a meeting invite, I could respond and add teams or indicate or respond and add a conference room, which indicates I'll probably be attending from somewhere else. And so we, we want to rethink, again, back to data model. Today, our, we have a strict accept, tentative, or decline. There's no kind of like, I'm tentative uh, if this other meeting gets moved, or I'm, I'm accepting remotely, or anything like that. So we, we are thinking about how people respond and what mm. that means. Or like, I accept for the first 20 minutes, you know, a lot of people with those long running uh, meetings. And so that's another area that we're kind of investigating. That would be amazing. Because mm. most of us have like three meetings in the same slot. Yeah. And then we have to, I can do this much of that meeting and then I can do the middle and then I've got to go and do the end. Yeah, mm. it's like Tetris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So random thought here that just kind of, so one of the problems I have, and I, I'm sure we all have this problem, is that sometimes folks don't check availability when they send you a meeting request, right? So you get a meeting request that was, that they just have, they've just added you to the two and they've just sent it. Wouldn't it be cool if there was some sort of mail tab or something that you could use to say, hey, you're sending this person a meeting request, but they are already have a meeting at that particular time. Or an all day. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 I'm just thinking out loud here. Great idea, Chris. You're, 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 um, you're, you can go into business with Warren. Yeah, Warren and I are going to, we're giving it away yeah. for free, but we're going <laughs> to. Hey, <laughs> whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. No, I mean, we're giving away the ideas for free on a recording, and then we'll go and retroactively build them. <laughs> What's the name of the lawyer in Seinfeld? Jackie, whatever. <laughs> you watch Seinfeld ball? Oh. Um, but what I was going to mention that we are kind of looking into warning the user if, um, we're starting with rooms again because sometimes, like, uh, let's say that that uh, you and I have spoken offline and you've said this time is good, even though you're booked for something else. Yep. Um, we don't want to be really interruptive to the user. So what there's what we're starting with is, uh, again, an Outlook Web is the first presentation of it. Uh, when you reschedule a meeting that has a conference room and the conference room was free at your original time but is booked at the new time and you just don't remember to go rebook a new room, we're going to warn you and say, are you sure you want to send this? 
because the room's busy and you know this room is free do you want to swap out the rooms and kind of like interrupt users on send which is a really hard time to interrupt users and so we're starting with rooms which makes a little bit more sense and we have a little more confidence that they probably don't want to send a meeting invite to a booked room yep yeah um, and, and that's true right i often get people call me up and say hey you know i'm trying to get some time with you but you're fully booked out today and I'm like yeah just send it at this time I could probably move that thing around or, and I won't go and remove the the invite from my calendar just then because as soon as a gap shows up someone will put something else mm. in there exactly. it's like driving in Texas right <laughs> yeah. you can't have following distance because as soon as you like just give someone some room they're going to put their car in that is that, that Texas or anywhere well well I you know particularly hey Dallas is, was like recently voted the Third worst place in the United States to drive. Wow. Seriously? Yes, yes. That's an <laughs> interesting stat about our city. So funny. I think that the highways in Dallas and Texas are just phenomenal, and I'm always missing. They, them. they, yeah, they, they've got a lot of room, but, you know, it's just <laughs> people operating vehicles. Yeah, I uh, remember moving to Seattle. Like, the parking spots were like, mm, tiny. Yes, yeah, you can't park a big truck in those spots. <laughs> Coming back to calendar for a second, <laughs> would it be possible to wait? the entry by importance because we can categorize and we can put colors on things and that helps me when I look at my calendar and I see the Christmas tree and when am I traveling when I'm doing other stuff but if I could mark uh, a meeting with Warren as important and then Chris comes along and wants to have some of my time and he's less important then calendar does nothing right but yeah. then you come along and you marked a super important because you might be my direct report yeah. Or I'm your direct report, whatever <laughs> way that works. So you're my boss and like I should always make time for you. Mm -hmm. So that kind of shuffling option would be great. Yeah. But then you need some sort of hierarchy in yes. some way, shape or form because otherwise everybody's going to think they're important and use but the same flag. But hang on, well, organizational nice? hierarchy is already there. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm say. saying. It's yes. going to have to take that into account because I think that, uh, let's say you're really important but I also think that you're important and you're important, so hence I am just as important and we use all the same feature flags, it's not going to do anything. Well, if it's organizational hierarchy and if, if you get a meeting request from Satya Nadella, it's like auto accept. Yeah, but he's in a different org. Uh, <laughs> assuming you, you're in the same org. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So how do you solve that? <laughs> Actually, we had an intern project two summers ago uh, that I really would love us to go back to, but we, we basically created calendar inbox rules. Um, so, you know, you already get, you already have a way to like categorize incoming mail or ch automatically oh, triage cool. it and stuff like that, but you have nothing for calendar. So we actually thought it would go both on incoming and outgoing. So if I, on outgoing, for example, I could say if my, if there's an attendee that's remote, always add teams. Um, and so I never have to remember to add it. Um, and we're, we're trying to play around with like when I add a remote attendee within the meeting form, automatically turn teams on, um, for example, but also on outgoing, you know, maybe I always want do not forward as my default on meeting invites. And so, you know, setting these defaults are really customized per person or I always want hide, I always want the attendee list to be hidden from everyone or, ne you know, never request responses if it's sent to this DL, you know, that's larger than this number of people or something like that. But on incoming as well, like if I receive an invite from someone, don't um, Delete it. Yeah. Well, because that's a big one for me. <laughs> I mean, when I accept the invite, why delete it? Why does it go to my trash? Because uh, the the logical view of the mailbox becomes cluttered. No, but like if I wanted archived, let's say, and I'll tell you why. So somebody decided to send out the presentation as part of the meeting request, mm. right? I then go into my emails and I search for the presentation because I remember the presentation. And it's not there. You've got to search a calendar. There. 
And then I search and I search and I search and I can't find it. And then I'm like, oh, yes, it was attached to the meeting invite. Mm. <laughs> now my calendar is massively large because I have all these meeting <laughs> yeah. attachments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, just, can it just be a little flag that archives it instead of deleting it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and... and that's it. That's another example of, uh, you know, what we were thinking with like, or with Nick's example, if, you know, if it's his manager, then always accept or um, another example is if I get a decline for a one on one meeting, cancel the meeting. Don't, you know, make me go cancel it. Or another one that we hear a lot is people have all different workflows, but some like half the world wants when I receive a meeting cancellation for it to be automatically removed from my calendar. And the other half of the world says, don't remove mm. a single thing from mm. my calendar until I click remove. Yeah. And so kind of all of these ways that people manage their time is really unique. And we have a lot of flexibility for mail, but we don't have a lot of that, um, you know, customization and calendar rules. So that might be one way to solve it. Um, the other thing is we are kind of, we, we do believe that as calendars get really busy, you have like a hierarchy of events and it may not be solely based on people or it could be based on topic and so we do we we would like to build an understanding of what events you actually uh, participate in and what events you don't and so you've probably gotten that like I mean we're not even starting down this path but I could see a future where you know the my analytics email there's an email where you can it says you emailed during 33% of your meetings this week and so that probably emailing during a meeting uh, really active emailing during a meeting is probably a sign you aren't prioritizing that meeting with your attention. And well, so it also doesn't know the difference between a meeting where I have blocked off time mm -hmm. and I actually want to work through my, uh, my inbox because now I've marked that out as focus time. It's actually uh -huh. not a meeting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they, they do differentiate between appointments where there's no attendees and meetings. And so they do try to focus on that. But there is also an effort in my analytics to add focus time to the calendar. And so today, every calendar event in, your, in the calendar folder is just of type event you know or type meeting um, but we would love for it to be this is a type of this is a flight this is a hotel mm. reservation this is focus time we want to actually like subclass the calendar events and so that we understand well this is a flight so you're definitely going to be you know working during you know, maybe you're sleeping but if you're emailing during it's not a sign that your flights are not important um, it's more of a sign that this is a different type of event than an actual collaborative meeting and so we are th we are we're kind of playing around with the idea of like importance of calendar events um, that's that's like long ways away but uh, you know some of the things that we are starting to kind of think about and my analytics is kind of further ahead on that right now talking of the long trail how long have you been at Microsoft um, six years now I joined in 2013 and something that I, I noticed as a theme yesterday was that there's a lot of focus on, it's not just a feature, there seems to be a focus not just in calendar but generally in Microsoft and, and this has changed over the, le over the years which is why I've asked you how long you've been around, that the focus is how do we genuinely make you more productive mm -hmm. and calendar is a part of that as yeah. opposed to what features can we think of? Yeah. Yeah, what shiny thing can we give you that will make you feel better about the purchase that you Which made? Which was <laughs> on-premises, right? It was like, what, 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 uh, what else can we stick in there? And it was, it was features. It wasn't, and I think with cloud, you've got the luxury of being able to do this. Let's try something that's fail fast. But let's right. also focus on building micro features towards productivity. Mm -hmm. And the focus seems to be productivity. Mm -hmm. Is yeah, that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our Microsoft slogan is basically empower. I. I'm going to not say it perfectly, but it's empower everyone to do more and achieve more. And that's really what we want is as, as 
you you saw like we're building a lot of calendar and time management and in other places in search and in email and in other you know in teams chat and stuff to like do. that yeah to do and so you know actually you having to go to your calendar to manage your time means we probably really failed um you know you shouldn't have like chris said i check my calendar at night and i check my calendar you know every night we should probably just tell you your first meetings tomorrow or your first meeting tomorrow is earlier than your normal meetings and so like in a way you having to manage your calendar means we haven't done a great job of making you more productive um, and so we are really trying to figure out like how can we uh, hide attendee list was a small example where we uh, heard from a lot of users that they were like going through in desktop and uh, Windows Outlook and marking everyone as a resource because they figured out that was a hacky way to like hide the attendee list. And so we would hear from people that they'd spend 10 minutes trying to do something and wow. going back to this like world of like you get 10 minutes back in your day, that's 10 more minutes with yes. your kids or you know learning something new or like meditating or whatever you want to do. Having another meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Meditating yeah. would be great. Yeah. Like really, really. <laughs> 10 more minutes of sleep, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you know, those kind of like micro things that we can ship quickly are a huge, uh, um, and under the hood, all we're doing with Hide Attendee List is just moving you to a resource. Because, you know, we didn't want to spend a lot of time trying to over-engineer something. We just wanted to give you the quick way to do something that you already can sort of do today very slowly. So does that mean since you are... Um, massively into calendaring and time management that bear in mind that you've got a, a fairly senior position you've got direct reports you've got family going on do you manage to balance your work-life balance and I how do you do that <laughs> well i have no direct reports i'm i'm a loving being an ic <laughs> I have an awesome manager who really just like encourages our team um, and uh, he kind of lets us grow even as ICs and kind of uh, do more and, and uh, build more. I see. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, thank you for correcting that. Individual contributor, meaning like no direct reports. Um, I, I kind of, well, one hack that I've done is on Thursdays, I work from home and I block my calendar out for no meeting Thursday. And so almost every Thursday, with the exception of Chris, talking to Chris last Thursday, I made a very <laughs> high priority uh, <laughs> exception. I almost never take a meeting on Thursday and I use that for like thought and uh, working through like deep thought and, and not collaborating with other people, but collaborating with, you know, with stuff, taking stuff that I've already collaborated with other people on and digesting and, and refining those. Um, I also would probably say I am a meticulous organizer. Uh, we went, my husband and I went for a Nexus interview recently, which is kind of like a global entry program. And I had like those like uh, plastic sheet protectors with all of our stuff packed in. And he was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and he is like not a technical person at all. Not really, uh, you know, calendaring is not his thing. But I, uh, I think just knowing where things are and, uh, I guess that's probably how I balance. And when I leave work, I really leave work. I don't check my phone in the, in while uh, you know in the evening uh, unless I'm like waiting for something um, because I think that I come back. It's like when you come back from vacation, you come back more refreshed. So if I come back refreshed every morning to work, mm. then I can. Um, and that's a shift that I made in the past few years, which I have uh, loved. No, I know everyone can't do that. It's a very that's a very difficult thing, but it's also very interesting that you say that because this is something that I myself have really been. I've been struggling with this a lot over the last probably four months and, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot probably over the last two months, right, is how do I 
because me sitting on a meeting on meetings for eight hours a day mm-hmm. is not beneficial in any possible way to anyone because mm-hmm. it doesn't benefit me because I can't get anything done yeah. but it also doesn't benefit the poor guy who's like number eight on my calendar right because mm-hmm. I, I, at that point in time I'm just worn out yeah so being able to it's a very uh, that's a very interesting thing it's like it, instead of because w- one of the things I was thinking about is doing a, in the mornings a block every day of like you know nine to eleven of just focus time right yeah. um, I, I mean I, I you know I don't start working at nine but at least when business hours roll around yeah. Let's let's have it be focused time, and if I get to my desk at seven thirty with my coffee, then uh, you know. But mm-hmm. but th- it seems to make more sense to do more of a one day th- whole day thing as opposed yeah. to splitting it across, because I feel like you're gonna you're gonna have more focused time to get, and you're gonna get more done in one day than trying to split that time across five days. Does if that makes any sense? Yeah, mm. Mm. and there's That's definitely people on the calendar team that do do what you do yeah. as a kind of a recurring thing. Yeah. I also share everyone at Microsoft can see the titles and locations of my meetings, so they know if I mark as something as like focus time or no meeting Thursday, they know that like. I, or, you know, they kind of try to respect that. Um, I also think that, like, for example, on your eighth guy, he, he probably booked that not knowing. I yeah. mean, he could look at your free busy, but he might not know that that uh, you've just been in back-to-back meetings for five days straight or three days straight or whatever. And so if we could give people, like, not only just, you know, Nick's free, but that, uh, or Chris is free or Warren's free, but uh, knowing that they have had a lot of meetings that you're, you know, maybe you could set on your calendar, uh, I want a maximum of 25 hours of meetings a week, and then mm. you don't have to block it out, and then when people schedule with you, if I they decline it or not, not even go through, yeah. that is insanely cool. Yeah. So I would love that. <laughs> that would that kind of goes back to this calendar inbox rules. Like everyone yes. would want a different mm. number, but you could say, mm. you know, auto decline meetings if it's more than X number of hours this week or whatever. Yeah. And so then people have to book out with you. And um, I also have a strict rule, like not strict. I guess I don't enforce it as much as I should, but I'd really try to decline meetings with that don't have an agenda or description. Yeah. So I I I become a lot more harsh on that. Yeah. Like I don't even respond anymore with comments I just decline because <laughs> I, I I get those too right I, I get a random yeah. meeting from some random person yeah. that has no description no context no agenda I have no idea what you want to talk about yeah. and I'm trying to prioritize my day and like that yeah. to me isn't important so mul- I multiple placeholders yes like when they put placeholder in the subject line you know yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah no I, yeah. I, I definitely have the last and I you know there are some there are some people that I work with who really don't like the fact that I do that mm-hmm. but I'm also trying to kind of convey the message that hey like everyone's time is important not just me so make sure that if you're trying to ask someone for their time you're at least giving them the courtesy of telling them why you need to speak to them Mm -hmm. right um so that's that's a very good but i i could also you know see a a situation where if you if you were to say if i have a meeting that is uh, that has a a physical location like an address in the location bar yeah don't give me a backup meeting on that in another location, mm. yeah. right? Because drive time and travel time and stuff is very real sometimes as well. Yeah. Right? Not everyone is doing everything remotely. Yeah, we're, we're actually talking about travel time. I, I saw Nick I kind of oh Yeah, I was going to do the same thing. I was like, iCloud has it. Yeah, it does. It does. And there seems to be a hint in, in um, some of the Outlook clients that, well, uh, Outlook for Mac says, do you want to include travel time, right? But it's not across all the clients. Yeah. Mm. Can we talk around um, where does find time fit into any of this? Yeah. So uh, f- Just to, to explain to listeners if they don't know, it's findtime.microsoft.com, which is either the best thing or the worst thing, depending <laughs> on where you stand. And um, one day when it's updated to do Teams meetings and not Skype, it'll be awesome. Or if it's yeah. in Outlook. 
It is an Outlook. It's like, a, it's no, natively. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an, it's an add-in. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, yeah. help me out. Find, is that the old calendar to help? Or is that something different? No. Come okay. Yeah, so, so find time is a add-in that tenants uh, can deploy to have it on by default in Outlook Web, Windows, or Mac, um, and, uh, but it's off by default. Uh, the reason it was off by default is previously data was stored in Azure, but one thing we're announcing this Ignite is that all the data is now stored within Office 365, and so that removes a huge barrier for tenants, as well as moving to REST APIs, especially tenants who blocked EWS, um, was a big thing for find time. Um, the, the number one thing we hear after that is delegates want it to work. So when a delegate has created a, um, a find time poll, which is essentially a way um, to say, hey, here are five possible meeting times. Can all of you attendees vote on the time that works best for you? And you can say yes, no, and prefer. Um, and uh, so find time, uh, we want to kind of understand, it actually gives us a wealth of data to understand what times you prefer. Um, because today, all we have is a binary, Chris has sent you a maiden invite for nine, and you've accepted it. So we know you'll attend, but we don't know if that's your actual preference for when uh, it attends. So, so understanding when you prefer to have meetings is a huge thing that could help us provide better time suggestions in the future. Um, but that wasn't really ever the original intent of Find Time, it's just a positive byproduct. Um, but Find Time is, is is the is the way to schedule, well, we see it as a way to schedule with people who you don't have free busy availability to. Because previously in emails, I'd, I might send Chris an email saying, hey, I'm free on Wednesday between these times and Friday between these times, hey, when works for you? And so it's a lot of email back and forth and find time allows me to pick five times and send to him. Now Chris asked about calendar.help, which is uh, email-based, where I would send Chris an email and CC Cortana at calendar.help. Ah, yes. And then Cortana negotiates the email back and forth, looking at my calendar and using natural language processing. When does for it Chris's. stop becoming an email? Uh, for uh, like, because um, obviously email is the primary way a, a calendar invite goes out. It's got an attached ICS file. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to it, but when does it? So, for instance, if, let's say, I'm in the same tenant as you and I send you a meeting request, mm -hmm. is that still an email? Or is there some sort of an API call that's being made to put it into the calendar and then it's just sending the email as like a something? Oh, okay. So, like, is there ever going to be a, a time where email is not used for calendaring? And it's more just API calls being floated around, systems talking to each other. Why are you going to go ahead on email? <laughs> hey? What did email ever do to you? He wants, no, every, but, he okay. wants everyone using WhatsApp. <laughs> 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 but, okay, hear me out. It's like, um, uh, again, the attachment. Okay, some dude sends an attachment and it's held by policy by Mimecast or EOP or whatever the case would be. Is I don't get the candidate invite. I don't attend the meeting. I mean... That's bad, right? Well, the thing is you didn't get the invite, so there was nothing to decline and there was nothing to accept. So therefore, meeting etiquette di dictates. So No, then I get a, a call from the Oak and he's like, hey, you haven't responded to my mail. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't get it. Check a spam. Check your junk folder. In the interest of time, <laughs> we, we've got to land the show. But before we land, let's just ask you two quick questions. Okay. How would you like to be found on socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, anything? And is there anything that you'd like to plug in terms of blogs, aka.ms, anything on docs, anything that's important to you? 
Um, yeah, so I mentioned user voice. Outlook.uservoice.com is a great way to go vote for features. If you're an IT admin and your account manager is giving you a monthly survey, we do read every single verbatim response. And if, you're, if your account manager is not giving you a survey, you should go ask them why they're not, um, because that gets sent out to the whole product team. It's a great way to reach us. Um, you can always reach me at Julia, J-U-L-I-A dot Foran, F-O-R-A-N, at Microsoft.com. Um, and don't send me spammy ICS invites, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> so happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can always send me an email. I'd love. I love. I'm gonna send emails. like a, a blank ICS with no metadata. <laughs> it's just gonna fill up your calendar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love. <laughs> like I hate that guy. <laughs> Inbox roof. Warren. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. I um. Yeah, I love getting emails from customers or you know anyone who wants to talk about calendaring. Um, and then uh, tech community. I monitor that. Uh, I'm slower to respond on that. But those are some ways to reach us. Um, and for plugs, I would just say like, we really, really, really want to fix all those paper cuts and calendaring because getting time back, even if it's five minutes or 10 minutes or five hours is really, really critical. And so think about that. Think about what would make you more productive every day. Uh, what, not maybe what feature, but what are you struggling with that's taking up time every day and let us know. Uh, you can send me an email and that would be awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank no, you for that having me. No, that was thank cool. you. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna close off again with uh, another uh, eNow community segment. So um, eNow is a leading provider of Exchange hybrid and Office 365 monitoring and reporting. Their solutions have been deployed uh, to over 550 million mailboxes in over 130 countries. Um, and today's uh, community spotlight is the Houston. How you doing, Johnny Lopez here with Rick Garcia. Hey, how you doing? We're gonna talk about the Houston Office 365 community. Uh, we meet on the third Wednesday of each month. Uh, we're, at, we're actually live right now at Ignite uh, Conference 2019 in Orlando, Florida. But uh, our, the Houston Office 365 community, we meet the third Wednesday of each month. Um, and we have a, a wide variety of members across the Office 365 platform. Uh, Rick, can you tell us a little about the history? So we started the uh, HBUG, Houston uh, SharePoint User Group, about 11 years ago. I've been involved for almost the entire time. It's been a, a tremendous journey. We started off SharePoint, everything SharePoint, getting together, trying to get folks educated, me, myself included. I didn't know what anything about SharePoint. I needed a place to go uh, learn what it is, what it does, what everybody else is doing, and, and it was a, it, it has been a blessing. So ever since I've been involved with the user group, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, it's now the Houston uh, Office 365 community and we still do SharePoint Saturdays every year. We've been doing SharePoint Saturdays for going on 10 years. I think it's actually going on 11 years now. Um, and we, every April, uh, our, our SharePoint Saturdays are, are, are every every year in, in April. So this year, I think we're looking at probably mid-April. So stay tuned. Look out for more information on the SPS event site. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's for today. Sweet. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're recording live from Ignite. Um, Microsoft is giving away Surface earbuds. <laughs> and if you want to try win those earbuds, please go to https colon forward slash forward slash aka dot ms podcast sweepstakes with an S at the end. And it is insensitive. So <laughs> I'll do it again. aka dot ms podcast sweepstakes. Please do it before the 15th of December. That means insensitive, as in the URL has no feelings. Yes, <laughs> it does. I'm sad, for, I'm sad for this URL. I'm upset that we didn't answer my mail question. 
you will be getting an email. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, thank you so much thank for you. your time. Yeah, yeah. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, good fun. Hey everyone, before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc. <laughs> <laughs>